Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we're studying the book of Acts, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. Acts chapter 2, today we'll be beginning in verse 14, and give me an amen once you are there. Father, we thank you again this morning for your great love. You made the heavens and the earth, Lord, the sun and the moon and the stars, the oceans, the mountains, all of creation. It has been made by your hand, and even us, Lord, we've been created. And this morning, Lord, our spirit, our soul, just desires to connect with you. And the reality of your spiritual kingdom, that's among us, that's in us. Lord, open up our understanding as we study your word. Minister to every heart here, we pray. Oh Lord, give us humble hearts to receive your word. For you say in your word that you teach the humble your way, but the prideful you know from afar. Oh Lord, draw near to us as we have drawn near to you. And speak to our hearts. Pour out your grace, pour out your spirit. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. And so in our story, as you know, it is the day of Pentecost. Jesus had instructed the disciples before he ascended up to heaven. He instructed the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. Don't go forth first, but wait in Jerusalem for the empowering of the Holy Spirit from on high. They have been born again. They have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in their lives as believers. But the empowering, epi in the Greek, that overflowing, they were to wait in Jerusalem uh, for that empowering so that they can go forth as witnesses for Jesus Christ. And in the same way, we too are to be those who seek the Lord in prayer and wait on the Lord for empowering to do life, to do Christianity. Christianity was never meant for us to do it in our own strength. If that was the case, it would have fallen away a long time ago. But the church remains, Christians remain, because of the power of God's Spirit working in our lives. And so, the day of Pentecost has come, the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and the disciples began to speak in tongues of the languages of the people who were gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost meaning 50. It was a time where the Israelites would come to Jerusalem to bring the first fruits of their increase and to thank God for God's provisions upon their families. And so uh, Jerusalem, again, it's packed. It's 50 days after Passover. Passover is when the Lord was crucified and rose from the grave on the third day. And so 50 days later, disciples are in Jerusalem and this has taken place. And people have, are witnessing this and hundreds and, and even thousands of people are witnessing the phenomenon of men from Galilee who are speaking now in languages that they never studied, right? It's, a, it's the work of God's Spirit. You know, it would be the equivalent of of you or I if we don't know Italian or Chinese to just begin speaking in that language by the power of God in order for Italians in the group and Chinese in the group to hear the wonderful works of God. And so 
hundreds if not thousands of people are listening, are seeing what's going on. They said in verse 12, the people who were there from all over the the known world there. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, in verse 14, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and so this is a beautiful portion of the Bible, guys, because it's the very first sermon preached for the newly birthed church. I mean, that's a big thing, is it not? It's the very first sermon of the church. The church is birthed. And who is preaching? Who stands up in front of hundreds, if not thousands of men who have traveled from all over the world to celebrate? It's Peter of all people. We read that Peter stood up and he raised his voice and he addresses the crowd. And I love this sermon. I love what he's doing here. I love it because it's a man who has completely and utterly changed from the man he was prior to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As you know, he, along with the other disciples, had told the Lord on the night that he was arrested That even if all were made to stumble, he would not. He wouldn't forsake the Lord. But Peter failed and denied the Lord three times, even before the rooster were to crow. So he is a completely different man, which blesses my heart uh, about this section of Scripture more than anything. Like it's not just the context of the sermon being preached. But it's who the preacher is. The Apostle Peter is completely different. And we must see that in light of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That as Peter is completely different, he is now bold. He's not running away. You know, he fell to a servant girl at the gate. Aren't you one of them? And he said, no, he lacked courage. He was afraid for his own life. But now that's all gone. There's a difference in him. That is what Christianity looks like. God takes people who were one way and now turns them into something completely and utterly different. There can be no excuse for the worship of human weakness, for the worship of human excuses. 
Some are valid. Don't get me wrong. We cannot do everything. Not everybody was called to do the same thing or do everything. But I'm speaking of those believers who always have an excuse not to be around, not to participate in worship, not to participate in fellowship, not to participate in the reading of their scriptures, not to participate in the hearing and the teaching of their scriptures. And and there's just excuse after excuse after excuse. But we see everyone who we respect in the Bible who were once one way, but now they're completely different. Shouldn't that be the same for us today? Mary Magdalene, whom he cast out seven demons from, was the very first woman Very first person to see the resurrected Lord. Now, Peter, who, like all of them, said, man, I'll go to jail for you. I'll die for you, Lord. But then a servant girl hits him up and he's like, I don't know the man. Begins to curse when he was asked another time. Remember that? But now, filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he stands up so boldly. Everyone loves the scripture, Philippians 4.13. Everybody loves that, man. It's on stickers. It's on shirts. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where is that in light of uh, over uh, too many excuses in our life? Where is that in too much uh, heeding to the weakness of our flesh or the weakness of our bodies? The older I get, the weaker I feel, but also the inner man is growing stronger. As I get older, I feel weaker physically, but spiritually, I feel more powerful. I really do. But man, you know, I am going through a midlife crisis where I'm realizing, I love basketball is my first game. I love tennis, surfing. Everything is now measured. Everything is now proportioned to how much rest I got. Have I been eating, eating well, you know? It's like, I have to, okay, I'm going to play basketball on this day, so I need to eat right these days prior, get my sleep or else, and then afterwards I have to like recover for three days. As I get older, the more I realize how much weaker I am physically. But the Bible teaches that we are to endure. The Bible teaches that we are to learn to persevere. How can we learn to do the hard thing even when the going gets tough? If we never feel it being hard. The power of the Holy Spirit gets us beyond our physical weaknesses. Peter is different because he is being empowered supernaturally by God. And that's Christianity. We all get tired, man. The Bible says all of creation groans. I watch my cat. My cat sleeps all day. And I remember my dog prior to the cat. She slept a lot. All of creation's tired. Join the club. But how does the Holy Spirit take us beyond that? Look at Peter. He was timid. Now he's bold. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Paul told Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's timidity. Like We're not to be timid, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's an amazing word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We cannot worship human weakness. We must ask ourselves, is this a, a legitimate excuse or is it an illegitimate excuse? And not just ask ourselves, but ask the Lord. Can I go the extra mile? Can I go further than I ever thought? It's something to consider in light of this amazing apostle Peter who stands up. 
Standing up with the eleven, he raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. So he's addressing the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. And it's important that the first sermon is addressed to Jerusalem. For it is Jerusalem that murdered the Son of God. Is it not? What, who better to give the gospel to than to the ones who crucified the Lord? Standing up with the, the eleven, he raised his voice and said, Men of Judah and those who dwell in Jerusalem. Jesus remembers saying in Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jerusalem's a special place. Even today it's special. It is the place where our Lord was crucified. And he's not done with his people, the Jews, according to the flesh. He's not. But the very first messages of the early church were to the house of the lost sheep of Israel, as he had said. And so this message... It's phenomenal. The first believers being Jews, right? Later, unfortunately, the church, uh, in an anti-Semitic fashion, has tried to do away with Israel and the promises of Israel that they are no more. Because in their estimation, they've crucified the Lord. But that's not true. God is not finished. Jesus died for our sins. The whole world sins. And it wasn't just the Jews, but we're going to get into the reality that it was also the Romans that put him to death. But in reality, it was our sins that put him to death. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose. Since it is only the third hour of the day, the third hour of the day would have been nine in the morning, between nine and ten. They thought that perhaps they were drunk because they spoke in other languages. And as I spoke about it last week, I do not believe in that there's any such thing as drunk in the spirit. I don't want to condemn people that have taken part in those things. I just do not see it biblically. And, but this, these are the verses where they build their whole ministry on. And we don't want to be a church family that builds their ministry on a few verses, but on the whole context of the Word of God. Was it practiced in the New Testament? Uh, is it in the Word of God? Did Jesus say it? And, and to use the, the authority of the Bible as our reference to the things we do within the church body. Amen? We should ask, is that practiced in the Bible, what we as a church are practicing? If not, then we're truly not asking the right questions that we need to. Christianity is an intelligent faith. The Word of God is there to lead us every step of the way so that we can give an answer to what, why we do the things that we do. Amen? These are not drunk as you suppose, for it is the third hour. So the first thing that Peter does here is he defends what the scoffers or the mockers we're doing. He defends that they're, he, he addresses that no, they're not drunk, which is a good thing. And again, on, uh, for those who would base a ministry off of the word that scoffers were mocking, makes it even worse. Because I've heard those ministers say, well, if they thought they were drunk, they must have been acting like they were drunk. That is a presumption beyond presumption beyond presumption. The Bible says that ma others, mocking, said. So they were mockers. They were, 
They were mocking at what God was doing. And to base something off what mockers were doing is not good. For the Bible talks about scoffers and mockers, right? Proverbs 21, verse 24. A proud and haughty man. Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. There's warnings about the mockers. There's warnings about the scoffers. So we shouldn't base something on what they presumed as a basis for something so big as being, quote unquote, drunk in the spirit. And when you see these services, they are rolling on the ground. They are barking. They are twitching. They are yelling. Weird stuff. And the scripture tells us that the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And we're told in 1 Corinthians uh, 14 that the prophet of the spirit, uh, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So there is no such thing as uncontrollableness. Oh, I'm out of control. It's the spirit. No, it's not. The fruit of the spirit is control. God is a gentleman. It's no uncontrollable anything, you know. Can you imagine our children running all crazy and saying, oh, it's just the spirit. So Peter addresses it. They're not drunk. But he quotes the prophet Joel. And Joel's prophecy was given 800 years prior to this event. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. It's such a, a beautiful prophecy. And it's a partially fulfilled prophecy at this time because obviously the day of the Lord has not come so the second half of what Peter says is going to be fulfilled and so that's the thing with prophecy some of it is partially uh, fulfilled some of it is for a latter time so the first half of that verse from Joel part of it's coming true your sons and your daughters shall prophesy Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. How cool is God? He's touching every age group. He's touching our sons, our daughters, our young men, the old men. See, it shows the beautiful willingness of God to use anyone who is willing to seek him with a sincere heart. God has used young people in tremendous ways biblically. And for you young folks that are in church this morning, God has used King David when he was a young boy. Various people when they were young. Our Lord was 12, remember, when he was in Jerusalem. And it said that he grew in wisdom and in strength. There's such beautiful teachings in the scriptures about young people being used. I'm encouraged and was encouraged when we baptized Zeke as a young boy, you know, and, and to know that he understood what he was doing. But God is willing to use our sons, our daughters, the young men, the older men, all of us. God is an equal opportunity God. Equal opportunity. God just desires to use those who, as we sang, I surrender. We surrender to you, Lord. That's the only prerequisite to being used by God. 
Jesus said, if you want he who desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me daily. Peter is different. They all were different. They're, they're waiting on God. They're, God's dealing with them through prayer, which is the only way God deals with your heart or mind. It's through prayer. I mean, prayer is getting myself right with God, basically. I'm a mess. Help me be more like Jesus. Jesus said, pray lest you enter into temptation. All of us in this room are susceptible to temptation in all kinds of various ways. Whether it's our actions or whether it's our thought life. Whether it's, we are, so prayer is how we deal with it. Prayer is how we ask. Is this an excusable excuse or am I just making another excuse? Prayer does that. Prayer. They were waiting and the Holy Spirit's like, boom, it can happen now. They have died with Christ. Peter is no longer thinking, I'm a good Christian, man. I can handle it. If, if they all rank out, I'll never rank out on you. I got this, Lord. That guy's dead. Peter's humble. I can't do anything without you. Perfect. You're dead. Here comes the empowering. Boom, and he gets up. The shy guy becomes the guy who speaks. The timid guy becomes the courageous guy. The introvert becomes the extrovert. The socially awkward dude becomes not so much. The Holy Spirit, right? Uh, the guy, who, the girl who could barely love anybody is now loving. The guy who can barely trust, didn't trust nobody, paranoid dude over here, now loves and love believes all things. I'm not tripping. I already know they're sinners. I already know, uh, but I'm going to love them anyway. I'm gonna, I know they ain't perfect. I know they have issues. It, it, it doesn't matter. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. But we must surrender to this idea that we can do Christianity by ourselves. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And it's to all. All flesh. If anyone is willing to be used by God, if anyone seeks the Lord with a sincere heart, God will use them. A sincere heart. A person with a sincere heart, and this is what I, I, I prayed about and I, I felt this was of the Lord. A person with a sincere heart is one that is willing to obey and do anything God desires for their lives. An insincere heart is one who wants to be used but doesn't want to surrender their will to God's. Why are some people empowered and others not? I suggest because they want to be. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have a God who loves us equally and shows no partiality to people. If we want to get closer and draw closer to him, we can do it. If we want to be empowered by God and we seek him with a sincere heart, no parameters, but Lord, whatever you want me to be, use me. Watch out. Here he comes. It's according to his will. These gifts of the Spirit, the empowering. But it must be a sincere heart. It must be, I give you my all. Jesus ain't taking part of us, half of us, some of us. I mean, what did he say? You know, you have to love me even more than family, is what he said. He said, we have to love him more than money. You can't serve God and mammon, he said. So, very exclusive, but for everyone at the same time. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Is he not showing himself strong on behalf of Peter? Right? Who is showing himself strong on behalf of Peter? God is, right? But God has witnessed that Peter is now willing and able to be used by God. So God is going to show himself strong. And that's the difference here. 
That's what, like, you know, oh, I love the idea of being used by God, but it's too hard of work. There's excuses. We got to let that die. It's like, Lord, help me to die to excuses. Help me to die to, you know, human, uh, the worship of human weakness. Paul the Apostle, you know, what did he say? That famous line, that famous word. In my weakness, his strength is perfect. In my weakness. How else could they see God's strength unless first I am allowed to be weakened? But if I was always feeling all pumped up and strong, you know, then they would just say, man, the power is in the dude. He's all pumped up and strong all the time. It's not the case. I'm as weak as any other man and uh, any other woman. And then we all are. The power of God's spirit. Verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. The term lawless hands there? Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m., or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chairman, above.